Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Good morning, everyone. You are tuned in to another episode of Ben Talks right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I am Ben Lewis, your host, every Monday morning from 11 a.m. to 12 noon. And of course, if you would like to donate to Radio Free Brooklyn in any way, shape or form, you can do so by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. And from there, you can donate a either monthly pledge or or a one-time donation. Either way, we greatly appreciate it. And I have to start off the show. Of course, there was, a, by like most of us woke up to the news this morning, there was a mass, yet another mass shooting that took place last night in Las Vegas during the American Country Music Festival. And at this point in time, it is uh, presumed that there are 50 people who have been killed in this mass shooting and 200 more have been injured. We'll see if those numbers continue to go up. But my thoughts and my prayers go out to Las Vegas. It is always scary anytime something like this happens, because especially in a city like Las Vegas or anywhere, because you never know where it can happen next. It is a very unfortunate event that took place, and it is a terrible thing to have to wake up to. It is a terrible thing to have to have lived through. And it's just it's just terrible news at this point in time. Um, again, my thoughts and my prayers go out to all those who are affected by this event. Um, and this, something like this, I, I feel like I've, I've had to start off like 90% of my shows since I got this lot with some sort of tragedy. Um, it is, it is very, very unfortunate. Um, with that being said, I do hope everyone had a good weekend. I certainly did. Um, I got to watch last night the uh, biopic that came out about New Edition, who I absolutely love. So 
So anytime I get to watch that, that just makes my whole weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that I didn't come in here and play a full hour of New Edition. But I do have a couple, a lot of things I want to talk about. And one of the things I do want to get into, because how can you have a show that doesn't talk about Donald Trump? And I told myself when I got this show, I'm going to stay away from the topic of Donald Trump. I will not talk about him. And yet he has given me nothing but reason to talk about him. Yes, Donald Trump, the man who seems like he just cannot do anything right since he's come into office. I mean, he literally had 43 examples before him. You got to see everyone's everything good that people did. You got to see everything bad that some people did. And you could at least taken some from each person and been a half decent president. But so far in these first 200 plus days since he's been in office, he just cannot seem to get it right. He just can't seem to get it right. It's like the guy. Now, uh, I'm a guy who played football. It's like the guy who the whole team is doing a drill. And the 30 people in front of him does the drill right. And this one guy comes and just cannot get it. That is who Donald Trump is right now. He seemingly has done everything wrong since he's been in office. And I'm talking about coming in, signing bill after bill. There was the travel ban, which caused widespread controversy. Who People had loved ones that couldn't get into the country. People were stuck in airports. People could not come back to America, even though they've been here for 10 plus years and they were already citizens. And then there's the transgender ban who said, hey, we don't want to have to deal with the medical expenses it costs to take care of a transgender soldier, a transgender male or a transgender female. And I don't know. I thought I, I was born a man. If I got shot and the same, a transgender person got shot, don't we need the same medical care? But it's it's extra to have to deal with them. You don't want to burden the military with having to, to deal with transgender individuals. And then there is the ongoing attempt to remove health care in this country that Obama fought so hard to to get going. You want to, he wants to get rid of that. Not to mention, he seems to have been uh, very, very, very active on Twitter. Like this is the most you would have thought that a president wouldn't have time to be on Twitter. But it seems like Donald Trump, just like the rest of us, wakes up in the morning, rolls over to his nightstand, grabs his phone out of the charger and starts to tweet his his life away. Getting into Twitter beefs with athletes when there's things going on around the country, when there's a possible war looming with North Korea, a nuclear war looming with North Korea. You're worried about athletes and and what football players are doing during the national anthem. And you're worried about who's coming to see you in the white house or not very active on Twitter. And then you want to give out a decree to the NFL saying that they need to fire the sons of bitches who protest. Hmm. Interesting. Again, so much more going on around the country. Certainly, the NFL should be on a list of 10 priorities should be number 12 or 13, but no, he's taking time out to address that, but yet hasn't seemed to handled what should be called 
layups in my book. Like if you're a guy whose approval rating is down, if you're a guy who seemingly 70% of the country does not like you, does not want you to be president, does not want you to be in the White House, in the Oval Office, then layups occur like a hurricane that destroys parts of the country, parts of states, and you just miss. You miss on a layup. You handle it poorly. You don't take care of Puerto Rico. You're still not taking care of Puerto Rico. You're late to to address certain issues. You are calling NFL players who are peacefully protesting sons of bitches. You're referring to white supremacists as very fine people. You're going back and forth with Kim Kim Jong-un about God knows what. You guys are just having a pissing match at this point. You're going back and forth with that. And all these other things are happening right under your nose that you're failing to address, that you're failing to do anything about. These are absolute layups for any president, any authority figure, anyone who has any sort of power. This is an absolute layup to show face and take care of those in need to go to Puerto Rico and focus efforts, relief efforts. They're a U.S. territory. Why is it that we're going to, why is it that we're hearing it's going to take them three to six months to get power back in some places? America should be sending generators over, food, helping them get clean water, helping with anything. But no, you're more interested in getting on Twitter. And when you get in front of a camera, you're talking about how much the NFL isn't violent anymore, how you you want guys to, to be more violent and, and you want more collisions, even though studies have shown that these brain injuries are affecting these guys tremendously, but you want more of it. You want more collisions, huh? And then you're saying things like they're sons of bitches for protesting and not respecting the flag or respecting America. That's very fitting language from a president. And this is why I'm saying he just can't seem to get anything right. What has he done since he's been in office that has made you think, hmm, that was actually a pretty good idea? Hmm, we, what law has he repealed that made you think, hey, maybe we didn't need that law? You know, that law needed some repealing. What bill did he pass that made you think, hey, maybe that's a bill we should have had? Nothing. He's done nothing that has caused anyone to remotely think that he's doing a half-decent job in the Oval Office. And the worst part about this is that there's three more years of him left. And I'm at a point right now where I actually want to meet face-to-face with the Trump supporter. I really do because I really want to speak to them and have them explain to me why it is that they're supporting Trump outside of saying that they support white supremacy and that they're some sort of racist. I I really want at this point a logical explanation as to why you went out and you voted for Donald Trump and you were actually happy when he won the election. Because up to this point, even people who have supported him can say that they've been highly disappointed 
in the way he's handling things. And let's see how he handles what took place last night in Vegas, which is another layup. I mean, this is one another opportunity for you as a president to look like you actually care about anyone other than yourself. And you've already upset people because seven in the morning you were tweeting your condolences, but yet when other people like a Puerto Rico needed help and relief, all you could say is we're doing a fine job. That's all you could say. He's a salesman and he's selling us pipe dreams and selling us snake oil and selling us things that he can't deliver on. But he makes it seem like he's delivering simply by saying how much of a fine job he's doing and going to places and having rallies with other people who think just like him, who feel the same way he does, and they cheer and scream and chant, and they give him that that affirmation that he needs so bad in his life. Meanwhile, there's a nuclear war looming, and there's so many other issues going on in this world that he doesn't seem to care as much about. Literally cannot get a single thing right. And it's rather sad. It's it's really sad that other countries are looking at world news and seeing, really, that's the guy America voted for? America's supposed to be this big, powerful country, and that's the guy they put in office. Man, I'm still confused. I, like, I still wake up, and this is what, like, at this point, it's, it's October. It's 10 months in. I still wake up like, oh, my gosh, this guy's really president. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes, really. Um, another thing I wanted to get into. So over this past weekend, a Bronx, not this weekend, but last week, a Bronx teen fatally stabbed a classmate who was reportedly harassing him for being gay or bisexual. And, uh, this is just another case of bullying going too far. And I don't think we, we look at bullying enough as a, of a serious issue. Like I think, we all have this idea that, you know, hey, if you're getting bullied, learn to defend yourself. But bullying is a, is a very serious issue. And I'm, and I'm going to pull up the story here and I'm going to read it, uh, the uh, article um, that was out in the Daily News. Now, a Bronx teen accused of fatally stabbing a bullying classmate. Uh, he was tormented with homophobic and racist slurs until he finally exploded according to family and friends. The abuse heaped upon a young man named Abel Sedano, who was 18, and the bullying was previously reported to officials at his Bronx high school without any response. Uh, This is according to a friend by the name of Savannah Hornbeck before the accused killer, um, before the accused killer's arraignment on Thursday. The kids were calling him, faggot and um and yeah the kids are calling him faggot and, and words like that said hornbeck who who was 34 uh, i guess she's a, a family friend and after it had been reported numerous times and there was no reaction from the school abel felt there was no other way out sedano placed under suicide watch he's now placed under suicide watch without bail in the murder of 15 year old matthew mccree 
and the stabbing of a second youth as horrified students in their history class watched helplessly. The defendant admits to purchasing a switchblade knife two weeks before online. He purchased a switchblade knife online two weeks before the stabbing. The assistant uh, district attorney, Nancy Borco, said he's admitted stabbing these people with a knife that he ordered. Family members wept in the third row during the Bronx criminal court hearing and left without addressing the media. Several stood in an effort to get Sedano's attention as he entered the courtroom. Sedano spoke once when questioned directly by Judge Patsy Goldborn about a legal issue involving an order of protection granted the surviving victim. Yes, I understand, Your Honor, he replied politely. Sedano, due back in court Tuesday, was also expected to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. Now, what kills me about this story is the fact that this kid actually did what everyone says to do when you're dealing with a bully. Go tell a teacher. Go tell a principal. He did that, and nothing was done. And there are a lot of situations like this that we see end up much, much worse. Now, it is unfortunate that someone had to die. It is unfortunate. You know, that's that's a terrible thing for that family to have to deal with, um, to have to bury a, a child, especially at 15 years old. It is absolutely terrible, and I do not conv- condone violence or murder in any way, shape, or form. But we have seen things like this get a lot worse. We've seen situations where a kid is bullied, and he shows up to school with an automatic weapon, and he kills much more than the person who was harassing him. Now, this is just a terrible story because he tried to get help other than like, he didn't want it to get to this point. He tried to get help. He went to teachers. He went to authorities in the school and they did nothing. But what is there to do? And I I personally, I don't feel like schools do enough when it comes to bullying, not in the least bit because a lot of times, I I was bullied when I was younger and telling the teacher did absolutely nothing. And it's, it's sad to say, but you have to take matters into your own hands. You have to sometimes get into that fight. You have to sometimes, you know, teach someone a lesson so that they can leave you alone because all the teachers think the teachers think that when you're being bullied, just put them on separate sides of the classroom and that's going to stop, which might've worked maybe when I was growing up in the nineties early 2000s, but now with social media and phones and group chats and group video chats and group texts and everything that's going on, there's not really much of an escape. Something has to be done much more than having the two sit down and try to hug it out. Something has to be done. I feel like there should be extreme punishments for bullying. If you are caught bullying, if you are, you know, if a student reports you for, for bullying them, You got to get suspended. Something needs to happen because too many teachers are sweeping it under the rug saying kids will be kids. Boys will be boys. Girls will be girls. That's just how it is. And there's this idea that kids need to get tougher because, you know, back in my day when there was a bully, I just punched him in the face and that was the end of it. Well, it's 2017 and that's not the end of it in 2017. You don't just punch the kid in the face and think that it's going to be over because that's just not how it works anymore. It's not. We, we like to live in this bubble where some, 
you know, things could be solved by just hashing it out. And sometimes even talking to these kids' parents, even talking to these kids' parents doesn't really get anything resolved because there are a lot of parents out there who don't empower any authority outside of themselves to discipline their children. You know, those parents that go to open school night and say, why are you always picking on my child? Those parents that are saying, don't say shit to my child when the child's clearly being an asshole and someone tells them about it. So now you might give this child this idea that they're untouchable. Unless it's my mama, unless it's my dad, I could do whatever I want. Because those are the only people I got to listen to. And that is the wrong message to send to your children. And there's actually a parent who I spoke to who said when they go to open school nights, they don't want to hear about behavior issues. They just want to know if the child is doing well in the class. And I just nodded my head in agreement because, I mean, I don't have kids, so people don't want to hear me tell them, hey, maybe you should listen to, to what the teacher's saying about your child's behavior. Because it's easy for a kid to give off one impression to you while you're home, while you see them, while you interact with them. And then when they're in school and they're getting egged on by their friends and they're getting a battery put in their back, they're being bullies. And I'm sure if you talk to the family of this young man that was murdered, they probably won't say that, yeah, he, he was a bully. He would make fun of kids. He would make fun of us around the house. I'm sure that's not what would be said. But in this case, that's what was going on. Now, reading into it, the, the kid was being harassed and he tried to get up and leave the classroom. And the one student that he stabbed in particular threw a pencil at him. And that's what caused the altercation to escalate to the point of the stabbing taking place. We need to teach our kids tolerance. That's another thing that I feel like can help with bullying a lot. We need to teach our kids that people will be different from you. And that doesn't give you a right to make fun of them. That doesn't give you a right to, to, you know, be a jerk to them. You need to be tolerant to them because people are different. People come from different walks of life. People come from all different backgrounds and we need to be tolerant to one another. And I think that's not just something we should teach our kids, but that's something that I feel like the world needs to know as a whole. We need to have tolerance. We need to understand that, you know, I might not agree with a certain lifestyle, but that's your way of living. And I'm not going to be an ass to you about it. But that seems to be so, so difficult. So when it comes to a situation like this where, you know, it's unfortunate that a kid lost his life. And again, we have seen situations where a kid is being harassed and he goes and he misses school for a month because he's doing target practice in the woods with a sniper and automatic weapons and handguns and all types of stuff as if he's going to war. And then he comes to school one day and just opens fire on everyone. I believe that was the story behind the Columbine shooting. The kids were being bullied, so they decided they would try to take everyone out. This, in this case, this Bronx teen took out the one classmate who was bullying him and harassing him because he was bisexual and they didn't have tolerance. And again, it is unfortunate that someone had to lose their life. It really is. But we need to understand that bullying is a very serious thing and it is more powerful now than it has ever been because there's so many ways 
to bully somebody, cyberbullying. Somehow get their number and, and you're, you you text them. There's bullying in person. There's no escape from it. There's no escape from it. And this kid could have killed himself or he could have gotten his hands on a gun and, and had another one of these mass shootings that takes place in a school. So, I mean, I personally, I hate bullying. I hate to see it. If I, if I see bully, I've, I've stopped bullying a few times. It's not something I like to see. It's, it's you picking on someone who's, who you is presumed weaker than you. And, and that's just not cool. So that is something that we, we definitely need to address. It's something we definitely need to be more mindful of and find better ways to deal with it. And as opposed to trying to have these kids sit down and, and hug it out. So, uh, let's, let's try to, you know, Let's just try to be more mindful of it and try to find better solutions, things that will actually work and, and more strict punishments for these kids who are bullies. So that's, that's all I got to say about that. Now, um, last weekend there was, uh, you know, I, I talked about, I opened the show. I talked about Donald Trump and his comments about the NFL players. And then there was a resounding response by NFL players and owners alike, they all decided to take a knee. And the country has been torn really on this issue for the longest time, ever since Colin Kaepernick decided to do so. Last season, he decided that he would, he was taking a seat. He spoke with uh, a former uh, member of the armed forces who explained to him how much taking a seat was disrespectful. And then he decided that he would take a knee during the protest and the point of him taking the knee was to protest the injustices that black people were facing at the hands of police, meaning when a black person was killed by a police officer, this police officer would go on and be found not guilty, regardless of video evidence of this murder taking place, of the police officer being in the wrong. So that's what Colin Kaepernick was protesting. And everybody went crazy because, of course, the mainstream media took something that was near and dear to black people and took someone who was trying to look out for black people and vilified them and made this protest about everything else under the sun except for police brutality. They made it about the flag. They made it about the anthem. They made it about the troops. They made it about the country. Colin Kaepernick is not patriotic. Colin Kaepernick hates America. And now the mere idea of seeing someone protest angers people. And it is at all level in all levels of sports. Now it's not just in the professional ranks. It is now taking place in high school where in Louisiana, a principal wrote a letter saying that students were not allowed to protest during the anthem. And if they did, they would be removed from their team. Wow. So now you're taking away the rights of high school kids and and taking them off their teams for something that they have a right to do as according to the constitution of this great United States of America. And all of this because the narrative has been lost. 
And in my lifetime, this is, I want to say, the only protest that I've seen take place in sports. This is the biggest protest that I've seen take place in sports. And it's very controversial. But it's controversial because bottom line is America don't want to see black people trying to defend themselves and trying to defend their rights. They want us to sit there, shut up, and just take all the abuse and the oppression that's been going on for years. See, it's to a point now where we don't even know what taking a knee is really about. We don't even know what the actual protest is about. If you ask five different people, I bet you'll get five different answers. We're protesting Donald Trump. They're protesting America. They hate the flag. Those players are ungrateful. You might get one or two people that actually know the real reason behind it. And the narrative was even switched by Colin Kaepernick not being signed to a team because now everyone was up in arms about that and no one seemed to be up in arms about the reason Colin Kaepernick was protesting in the first place. It became about we have to boycott the NFL because they don't care about us and they want to suppress our opinions. Oh, the NBA released a memo saying that the players had to stand for the anthem. Let's not watch the NBA either. The NBA, they're racist. So let me put this into perspective for you. The NFL goes down the hole, shuts down, no more football. The NBA goes down the hole, shuts down, no more pro basketball. Does that now mean that police officers who kill unarmed black men and women and sometimes even children will now go to prison when they're caught on video doing so or when there's substantial evidence saying that they did so? Will it change that? Will Colin Kaepernick getting a job in the NFL change the fact that police officers are walking free? Now, don't get me wrong. I really, I think the guy has ability to at least, at, at the very least, be a backup in the National Football League. And it is unfortunate that he's been blackballed or whiteballed, as you want to put it. But people have been changing the narrative from the very moment that this took place. It's become about everything else except for what actually is going on, which is police officers walking free after committing a murder. Because now it's been about we're protesting because we want Colin Kaepernick to get a job. We're protesting because the NFL doesn't want us to protest. I just want to remind people, don't get lost in the narrative. Don't get lost in, in all these other stories that the media is trying to put out. Remember the actual fight that Colin Kaepernick was trying to fight, the actual cause that Colin Kaepernick was trying to fight for. Don't forget that. We need to start making demands that these police officers that do these things, these hate crimes that go underpunished or unpunished we need to see to it that something happens we need to see to it that these people aren't walking free anymore because at this point it's easy to bring awareness to that to the fact 
I think sports is one of the biggest and best platforms to bring awareness to issues. But how much can sports actually change those issues is, is, is a thought that I've been having recently. How much can sports influence the government? How much can sports influence laws? And again, sports is powerful in the sense that it brings people together and there's people from all walks of life and they all love the same team and they come together and they're the best of friends for the three hours that you're sitting next to each other at the football game, for the couple of hours that you're sitting next to each other in the bar. Uh, You go to one of these team bars and everybody's happy and everybody's slapping hands and and high-fiving and everything under the sun and everybody's enjoying themselves because sports is supposed to be the great uniter. That's what sports has always been about. And sports has is, is a way that you can bring awareness to issues. It's a way you can break down barriers, i.e. Jackie Robinson coming to the majors when no other black player was allowed to play in the majors, i.e. when, when black players weren't allowed to, to play Division One college football. Schools like Syracuse were letting black people, players come on the team. Schools like Michigan were letting black players come on the team. So sports is a way to bring people together. But when you think of those situations, when you think of sports bringing people together, when you think of sports giving Jackie Robinson the opportunity to come and be in the majors as the first black man, when you think of Syracuse University breaking the mold and saying we're going to let black players come and play in this Division I college, on this national stage. Yeah, it can bring awareness to issues like that, but it doesn't change the laws. Jackie Robinson still had to drink from different water fountains. Jackie Robinson still had to, you know, change at different hotels. There was still a lot of segregation going on. He still experienced a lot of hate. So I feel like we need to reach for more powerful uh, sources to get to to get the changes that we want, we need to get with our councilmen. We need to we need to get these issues in front of the government because they're sitting back and they're letting us all tear our heads apart, tear each other's heads apart, and they're the ones that has the power to really change this thing. They're the ones that can step in and say, "No, you're not going to let this guy walk free after committing a murder live on Facebook." No, you're not going to let this man walk with no conviction. You're not going to put this guy on administrative leave with pay after he's just killed an unarmed black man or woman or child. You're not going to let this guy walk away underpunished because he committed a crime against a minority. The government has the power to do that. The government has the power to make the changes that we all are expecting sports to make. Sports is doing its job right now. It's bringing awareness to these issues. But at the end of the day, being aware is fine, but I want change. Because we can bring awareness to this issue all we want. We can continue to kneel and do different kinds of protests, and people can continue to protest the protest. But what we need is is change and we need to find ways to get that done because at this point the way that the media is portraying 
these protests. It's now a report on ESPN before the games. Oh, the Jaguars are going to kneel. The Ravens, they're going to lock arms. The Seahawks, they're going to sit down. The Steelers won't come out. The Redskins are going to, some are going to kneel. Some are going to lock arms. It's like, who cares? What is going on? The cameras focusing on the sidelines during these anthems, all as a way to rile us up and stir us up and get people from both sides angry at each other to take away awareness from the fact that the actual issue that is being protested is a real issue. But what the media can't spin is if we are taking our fight to the government and saying we're not going to stand for these guys walking free and finding other ways to invoke change. Can we not give sports all the power here? Again, sports can bring awareness to a lot of issues. But to my memory, it hasn't really changed much issues. Now, uh, it is the bottom of the hour, so I do want to remind you, you are tuned in to Ben Talks right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And again, if you would like to donate to Radio Free Brooklyn, you can do so by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. And if you would like to sponsor Ben Talks, you can do that as well by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash Ben Talks. And uh, you could read up on me on the show page. You can also follow me on my social media on Instagram and Twitter at I am Ben Lewis and on Facebook at Benjamin Lewis. No, I don't have one of those cool fake names that people think of for whatever reason. I like my name, so I use it. Now, while I'm on the on the subject of protesting, I had a thought this weekend that we might be, as black people, a little too quick to throw around the words Uncle Tom, sellout, and coon. It seems like every time someone, you know, disagrees with you on something in particular, an issue in the black community, because they have a different viewpoint of yours, you reach deep down and you you go in your bag of insults and you say, oh, you're a coon, you're a sellout, you're an Uncle Tom. Or maybe you're just a black person that has a different opinion from yours. And I get it. We want every person to be down for every fight and every cause and every single thing. More recently, we want every black person to boycott the NFL. But we got to understand there are millions and millions of us in this world. There's no way that everyone's going to be on the same page. And that's okay. It's fine to disagree, people. Why is it that They have to be coons or sellouts and Uncle Toms. I don't even know what that means anymore. I really cannot tell because everyone so uses those the phrase around so loosely. It's nothing now for you to say, oh, well, he's an Uncle Tom because, you know, he doesn't agree with, you know, he doesn't want to protest this and he doesn't want to protest that. So you're a sellout and you're an Uncle Tom. Can we can we relax on the Uncle Tom and sellout and coon and all this, that and the third? We got to remember, we can't force everyone into every fight. We can't try to force everyone to get into battle and they may not be built that way. Maybe this person just doesn't want to get involved and it's not because they hate themselves or 
hate other black people. Not everyone is built to fight. Not everyone is built for that struggle. And another thing about these self-righteous people who like to throw these words around. Protesting today is a lot easier and a lot safer than it used to be. Would you have been so gun ho about going out there and protest, protesting back in the 60s when people were getting hosed and bit by dogs? Would you have been so gun ho then? Would you have been willing to get beat up at a counter, at a, at a counter in a diner for these causes? It's easy to change your profile picture. It's easy to put up a status. It's easy to share an article that says that, you know, you're a coon for this, that, and the third. It's so easy to do that. Yeah, you're so righteous. You're a modern-day Martin Luther King. Yeah, just I just want everyone to relax. Just relax because there's no way to get everyone on the same page about stuff. And again, not everyone is going to be down for every fight, and not everyone's going to be down for every fight right off the bat. Sometimes it takes people more extreme instances and situations to decide that they're going to get involved. Like the whole taking a knee issue would have been nice when Colin Kaepernick did it. Every single player, every single black athlete said, you know what? I'm going to take a knee to support Colin Kaepernick and to support his cause. It would have been great. But unfortunately, guys didn't do that. Because they did what a lot of us would do in certain situations. When someone does something that seems radical and someone does something that seems crazy, most of us sit back and, and tries to see what happens to that person before we decide we're going to join in or just watch from afar. It's, it's just the truth about it. We're not, oh, wait, this is, this is going what? This is, this is affecting who? I'm, I'm jumping on. That's not always the case. And I feel like because you don't agree with certain people and certain protests and certain fights that they're so quick to label you as an Uncle Tom or a coon or a sellout. Like the biggest one right now is that, oh, if you're a black man watching football, you're an Uncle Tom. You're a, you're, you're a coon. And you don't want to pick up the fight. How does that make me any of those things? Not everyone's going to agree with everything. Not everyone's going to agree with every fight. Not everyone's going to be willing to take on every fight. And that's fine. And we need to understand that. That's just the bottom line. There's no way to get everyone in 100% agreeance with the things that we want them to. Not every single person was following Dr. King when he was leading those marches and leading those protests and trying to get those changes done. Sad to say there are some people who think that there is nothing wrong with what the way things are. There are some people who don't care about anything else but themselves. And hey, just leave those people where they're at. If you got people behind you with your fight, with your cause, just move forward with them. Don't give people who aren't on your side any energy that takes away from what you're trying to accomplish. But yet we need to stop and reach in our bag of insults and throw around words that were used to insult us like coons and uncle toms and call people sellout 
And it's to a point where I really honestly don't know what those words really mean anymore. I don't know what constitutes someone as a sellout, a coon, or an Uncle Tom. I really don't know because it's thrown around for everything. It's it's literally thrown around for everything. And it really shouldn't be because not everyone is going to join in on every fight. And not every person is going to agree with your method of fighting. You might want to march and, and you might want to, you know, walk around with picket signs. The other person might want to decide that, hey, let me go try to get my point across to the exact person that's causing the problem. Let me go try to sit down with with these people. Like, for example, Jim Brown and Ray Lewis, who, for whatever reason, decided that they would go and talk to Trump. Now, we don't know what the conversation was like. We don't know where it went. We saw a picture. We went crazy. But listening to Ray Lewis, and he said a lot of things where I was just like, what? Like, where he said that he was on his knees because he was praying and that he would never take a knee. That was a little strange to me. But when he says things like, he was out there when Mike Brown was murdered. He was out there when Trayvon Martin was murdered. When he says things like that, how many of us can say that? How many of us were around in times of injustice? So there might be some good, there might be some bad with Ray Lewis, but the fact is that, I mean, he he was present in those situations, trying to do something about it. He didn't hide behind his his phone or his laptop. Now, I'm not saying that he, you know, it was right. I'm not saying it was right or wrong to go meet with Donald Trump. And if he did that, he sure as hell shouldn't have taken that picture. I I, I don't care what. That's the one thing I, I disagree with wholeheartedly. But we know Jim Brown has been out there in the past. And I was very critical on Jim Brown before. Jim Brown's been out there helping uh, the black community. Ray Lewis is out there helping the black community. But these are the people we choose to cast off and turn against because of one photo. When they might be the ones actually taking action because it's easy to be righteous behind your cell phone while you're laying down in bed before you get up and and get ready for work or while you're sitting on the toilet in the morning. It's easy to be woke when you don't have to take any action. It's easy to be down for the cause when all you have to do is not watch Channel 5, 4, 2, or the NFL Network on Sundays. That's real easy. But can we slow down on the Coons and Uncle Toms? Because not everyone that disagrees with us are those things. So I want to move on to a little more lighter topic. What is the deal with people recording funerals and like putting videos of the casket being lowered into the grave? Like what is up with that? When did that become okay? That is that is so strange to me. I never understood the reason for it. And I I have lost people in my life and Facebook would never know it. I've lost people very close to me that that really tore me up and Facebook would never know it. Now I'd even put up a status about it. You know, because I don't think that that's something I need to use for for likes. But yet you see people posting videos and pictures of 
bodies laying in the casket and you're saying, oh my gosh, rest in peace. And it's like, why is this on my timeline right now? Why are you posting a picture of your grandma or grandpa who is clearly, clearly laying in a hospital bed, really, really sick, but yet you want to take a selfie and the picture I don't have a problem with, but the posting, I'm sorry, but that is just like low. That is, I need attention and I want attention and I don't care how I go about getting it. I'm not sorry for if, if anyone's offended by this. I'm not sorry if you, if someone listening is thinking, well, I've done that. It's not okay that you did it. And you know what's crazy? I had this to talk about on the show. I'm driving over to the studio. I passed by a funeral home. There is a lady holding her phone up, recording as the casket is being brought out of the church down into the hearst. Why do we want record of these things? Why do we want to put this on social media? Do we want likes that bad? Do we want attention that bad? I feel like some things, some moments should just be that, a moment in your memory. And that's it. It's to a point now where we're just like, we're so programmed to take out our phones and put things on social media that we're not even thinking about what it is. And it's getting disgusting. I'm sorry. Like, I I don't want to see a picture of a body laying in a casket because a lot of times these bodies laying in a casket, I mean, the mortician, the, the person doesn't even look how they, they looked alive person doesn't even look like themselves but that's that's besides the point it shouldn't be on social media at all i i get if you if for whatever reason you want to take pictures and you want to keep that in your phone and you want to look back at it i'm not sure when there's a moment that you're sitting there and you say hmm let me look at pictures from the funeral yeah i feel like being sad right now there's certain things that needs to just be Memories in your mind. And that's one of them. There should be no reason why you're videotaping a funeral. There should be no reason why you and your homeboys or homegirls are posing over someone's grave. Saying something like, had a good time seeing the bros today. Hashtag rest in peace, auntie. It's not the time. It's especially not at the cemetery. Come on. Have some decency, guys. Let's remember, let's keep in mind that funerals are meant to be kept just where they're at. In the funeral home or in the chapel or church, wherever it was done, in the cemetery. People don't need to see videos of a casket lowering down into its grave and everyone crying and, and, and losing their mind over it. That is a moment that needs to be between the people there and the family. And it doesn't need to be between your thousand friends on Facebook and your thousand friends and followers on Instagram. Can we have some decency folks? 
Can we save some things just for the moment? And maybe this is coming from me, who a person who I still can't get my head around taking a picture of every single thing that's going on in my life. Like there are times where I may be out to eat and people want to take pictures of the food and I could feel my my blood pressure going up because I'm so upset because I just want to eat. Or I could feel, you know, I, I don't necessarily like having to stop every five seconds on vacation to take a picture. Like I'll take a picture of the scenery and that's it. That's all you're going to hear from me. I'm not going to stop every 15 seconds to, to pose and, and take pictures. It seems like memories and important things now in our lives are so rehearsed because we want to look so special and so this and so that on social media. And sometimes some of us are forgetting to have morals and decency. Don't post a picture of your grandma in a coma. It's not appropriate. Don't post a picture of someone laying in their casket. It's not appropriate. And don't post a video of the casket lowering down into its grave. That's not appropriate either. Let's keep that in our memories. I don't even know. Again, I don't know why you'd want a picture of a funeral in the first place. Again, I understand funerals is one of those things where families come together and you might want to take a picture of your cousin that you haven't seen in 10 years and you're not going to see in another 10 years. And that's fine. But as far as the the dead goes, have some respect. Please. I mean, just, oh, my God. Like, I, I can't wrap my, my head around it. I really can't. Why, why are we posting videos and, and pictures of funerals? I really would like someone to, who has done that to really talk to me about why they feel like it's okay. And those are the same people that say everybody's all in my business. The same people that get mad when someone comments, oh, my God, how did they die? You put it out there for everyone to see because you almost are begging us to be nosy. So, yeah, you might as well tell all. I think with social media, people, especially in this age where reality shows and reality stars are blowing up where YouTubers are making millions of dollars. Everyone wants to give everyone, everyone wants to give someone that inside look on their life. And sometimes we go through great lengths to do so. If you're posting a funeral or next time you had a funeral and you feel the urge to reach for your phone and, and take a video and take a picture. Remember this Ben talk. Don't do it. Stop. It's not appropriate. It's not. Let's keep certain moments just that. A special moment between friends and family in your memory for the rest of your life. I don't want to see people on their last breaths on social media. I don't want to see people getting lowered into their grave. Let's remember to have some decency, folks. Sheesh. Well, it seems like my time here is up here on Ben Talks. I want to thank everyone who tuned in to this episode of Ben Talks right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And uh, again, I do want to say if you want to donate to the show, you can do so by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. 
dot com slash Ben Talks. Check out the show page. Follow me on all my social media. I am Ben Lewis on Instagram and Twitter and Benjamin Lewis on Facebook. Um, also, check out my segment of the day, which should be releasing later on today on Facebook. And go follow my, go subscribe to my YouTube page, Ben Talks on YouTube, where you can catch more segments. I am Ben Lewis, host of Ben Talks, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Everyone, enjoy your Monday and enjoy the rest of your week. And I will talk to you guys next Monday, same time, 11 a.m. to 12 noon, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Personality, the cult of personality, the cult of personality.